Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Hey friends, how are you today? Today's kind of going to be an a la carte. In fact, I think that's what I'm going to title it is just a a la carte because we got a lot of things to talk about. Um, Sure, we are in at this point, um, some point of the COVID crisis, depending on when it started for you, two months, three months, um, etc. And it's not an easy time for the event industry. There may be some light at the end of the tunnel, but also there's a lot of hard times, you know, personally, I'm just looking at things here. It really hit home for me. I mean, you know, the whole COVID thing. I mean, I've got a lot of friends, obviously, who who do live events um, and who work full time doing lighting, doing audio, etc. for live events. And so obviously these people, uh, my friends have had a rough time over the last few months, um, including uh, some of them work for a local company that, that I used to work at um, years ago, not that many years ago. <laughs> that makes me sound old. <laughs> but but um they worked at a company that got acquired by a huge company and you know, sure when that first happened it was kinda like, uh eh, I don't know if that's the best thing ever. Um but you know, whatever. And, and a lot of people stayed there and, and you know, there were things get corporatized, they were different, whatever. But, you know, fast forward to this crisis and up until this point, it wasn't so bad for those guys um, and, and ladies, those people that worked there, just because they had the huge company uh, that they, you know, were they, they had jobs still. Um, even though there were literally no events, they, they still had a job, they still had salaries, and, uh, you know, it was a good thing. But uh, as of uh, yesterday or the day before, uh, their branch closed um, suddenly, and uh, yeah, they don't they don't have jobs anymore. And so they're, you know, just looking like a lot of other people in the industry. Uh, maybe you work in this industry. Maybe not. A lot of people that listen to this show are not professionals, um, but but some are. And, and you know what it's like to be completely without shows, completely without events. Um, though I do have to say, there's a little bit of light. I, I do say there's light at the end of the tunnel. Just because um, inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs, I've got a couple students, uh, a number actually from the uh, Australian, New Zealand area, that that side of the world. And over there, things are starting to open up, sure. I mean, New Zealand waited till they basically had literally zero COVID cases. I think now they have two, um, but they're, they're well isolated. And, and so they're able to open back up strategically. Um, of course, here in the U.S. and anywhere in Europe, I think we're real far away from that. But but things are opening back up again. And not to say that there's going to be live events again, but at least at least for those who work in live events or those of us who hobby in live events, uh you know, doing lights for bands or for a church or whatever, we're finally starting to see things open up and it's it's a breath of fresh air. Hopefully it's the right thing. Obviously, none of us really know um you know, and and that's uh, part of the craziness of this whole thing. But hopefully better times are ahead, and I'm glad to see that. And so today, I've just got like a stack, literally a stack of magazines that are sitting here on my desk that, you know, as we went through podcasts that I had pre-recorded uh, towards the start of this thing, well, we've had a lot of a lot of stuff here in, in, the, in the tank, you know, that we've been going through on the podcast. And, uh, and I just want to catch up on some news, and, and because... You know, even though uh, things have stopped in the industry, things have really slowed down, there's still things going on. There's still, uh, with the lack of trade shows, there's still new products coming out from different companies. Some of them are, are really interesting, I think. And, and because, um, obviously, there's still new products because, well, they were in development before this thing started. You don't just, uh, obviously, you don't just come out with a product one day. It takes a while to to really um, 
to really develop these things. And, and we're starting to see the fruits of some of that labor, including one of the first I opened up, and I just saw the light source um, at thelightsource.com, thelightsource.com. You may be familiar with them. You may be not. They're a, a company that's primarily in this world, in the theater world, I would say. Um, but they make LED house lights, too. They make a lot of stuff. They make a lot of clamps. Um, that's what I know them for. But I think I, I always love when I see in, in the lighting world, and hopefully you enjoy this little rant, too, that I always love when I see a new take on something old that just makes really good sense, okay? And this is their new gym light cage. And so if you've been in a gym in, in, in that kind of space, a lot of churches I know are in, in this, this world, but also theater groups and stuff, and you want to permanently install some lights, then you've got to protect them with a cage, I mean, occasionally you get to you get a gym that's like 60 feet high and they don't put a, a cage in there. And even then, some kid, you know, who's going to be in the NBA or something, manages to throw a ball up there and hit the thing. Um, but, and so most of the time, in a gym, in a, in a place where balls are being thrown around and such, you, you put your lights in a cage, right? And this makes sense. And, and over the years, I have seen and had to service lights in all sorts of cages. You know, some of them... Um, were easy, made a lot of sense. Others were very difficult to work around, very painful, very DIY. But some of the DIY ones were good, some of them were bad. Um, and then some of the professional approaches were good, some of them were bad. It just it just varies. You know, they're all different. Some places uh, put in like a catwalk. Other places, uh, one that I saw that was real terrible was they basically built out um, a ceiling under the lights so that these lights were like over the ceiling. But you still had to access them from the bottom. So basically, if you were in a lift, you would have to be in front of the light. And in order to adjust anything, you'd have to look backwards, basically, a.k.a. opposite of the way that the light was pointing, uh, in order to adjust this thing. And, and it was a pretty terrible design. I mean, technically, it protected the lights. Um, but gosh, it, it didn't in the projectors and stuff. But it was a pain in the butt if you had to service anything. So anyways, the light source, thelightsource.com. Their new gym light cage, this is this is just smart. They've built, in, in the spirit of Ikea and Amazon, basically a easy-to-ship gym light cage. And so, yeah, it's got a steel cage, or probably aluminum or something like that. Um, you can also add in a, a batten that has power and data plugs uh, in there, a batten just being a, a pipe in the theater. And uh, But the cool thing is that it ships flat because it's got that, that metal structure, but then it's got um, wire, you know, steel wire basically, or aluminum, aircraft aluminum wire that runs across all of the, the sides. And so most of the protection is from that wire, but there's rigidity from the steel. Um, and so it's that perfect combination that allows it to ship flat. And I think that's just really smart, you know? It's just really smart um, and really cool and uh, really... You know, really, uh, it's it's interesting to see something different because you might think, oh man, this is just, you know, this is literally just a, a gym cage, a light cage for lights at a gym, you know, and how could you improve on that? Well, these people did, and I think that's great. Now, another thing that I've noticed here, uh, PLSN has a 2020 virtual show report uh, basically on ProLight and Sound, which was in Europe. It's a huge trade show in, in, that's supposed to happen in April, didn't happen this year. And USITT, which is a theatrical trade show here in the U.S., which is much smaller, but still very cool. Um, and, and so they had this virtual trade show report that just walks through some new products that were coming out. And I think it's interesting that we're seeing a rise, and we've seen this over the past few years, of standalone consoles that, at least on paper, look uh, pretty good. 
And, and what I mean by that is something that's non-PC based. So for those of us who watch the console market, and I watch it closely because it's the majority of what I teach here, w- what we saw in console is everything was hardware based, right, at, at some point. And then as PCs and computers became powerful for a reasonable cost, then uh, lighting software started moving all to PCs or a PC slash console where you got the same experience on the PC and the console. You could choose to purchase either one, the PC often being cheaper. I think it's interesting today, what we're starting to see is more companies bringing in and and having a console that's standalone. Now, you guys know I I work with the Lightshark team and I've promoted their console a lot just because um, when I first ran into it at LDI a few years ago, you know, three, four years ago, it was like a unicorn. Like nobody at that time was making a small, inexpensive standalone console, right? I mean, at the professional grade, you could get a standalone console, but but, but, uh, lower than that, you couldn't. And then the next year, we saw Camsys come out with their their uh, Quick Q series of consoles, and there have been others. And uh, I see two actually in here. It looks like Blizzard's got a new one called the Enigma, and also um, uh, Altman has one called the Genesis, which isn't um, technically one that's new or that they've built. Um, it's one made by a company called LSC, and I already know that I'm not a huge fan of it, but regardless i just don't think for the cost it's it's makes a lot of sense that it's capable but regardless it's really interesting just to see that um you know because for the longest time here we've been like pc 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 on the entry level like pc has been the best way to go and to see some entry to mid-level consoles uh for hobbyists and others that that are a standalone console again is really interesting uh you know the biggest thing with these that you, you always got to watch out for and there's going to be more of these coming out i'm sure is that you're always going to have a lot of limitations built in that a PC might not have. So you might have a limited number of universes. Uh, in the case of like the Quick Q, I believe, and, and, and definitely the uh, LSC the, or the Altman Genesis, there's a fixture limitation, which I always hate when consoles do that. I, that really frustrates me because, um, because a fixture doesn't really limit you know there's no software or hardware limit in a console based on fixture it's more about the number of channels that are being controlled or uh, etc okay that's what really determines the processing power that's needed and, and kind of determines the ceiling and so i always hate when a company comes in and you know somebody goes out like this this altman genesis and i hate to, to bust on them there's other ones out there though and they say well you know we've got a dmx universe or or two um this one has one but you can only control 24 fixtures and so, yeah, if you've got some moving lights and stuff, you could fill up a whole DMX universe. You could use all 512 channels. I get that. But say you're controlling LEDs, just some simple three-channel or four-channel LEDs. Well, at that point, your 24 fixtures is like 100 channels or less, and, and you're not using that much of the capabilities of the console. So I always hate when there's limits like that, and that's something to watch out for uh, with, with those kind of consoles. But alas, you know, and uh, yeah, there's a new one for Megalite, apparently a new version of their Enlightened console, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just think it's, uh, it's really, really interesting because I never expected, I, I guess I really didn't expect these to come back, these type of consoles, just because they went away, right? And PCs haven't got more expensive, quite the opposite. You can get powerful PCs very inexpensively these days and um you know i I didn't expect to see them back but at the same time maybe it has something to do and i'm just kind of theorizing here 
with the move to mobile devices. Um, because a lot of people really prefer mobile devices. Some people, maybe you guys are in it, like don't even have necessarily a home computer anymore. They use tablets or other mobile devices. And as we know and we learn, um, running a, a physical console and running that that data and that software on a, a tablet often is a is a pretty bad idea and it doesn't often work well sometimes it can sometimes it can't but i certainly prefer uh controlling a a console that's actually designed to to run things um via a tablet rather than having the tablet doing all the crunching and all the processing and the biggest reason for that is that tablets just they're just not optimized for that kind of um for that kind of processing and if you close apps often on tablets, they they close them out, and then you would lose all your DMX, and that would be bad, um, etc. And so I, I just thought that was really interesting that we're starting to see a comeback. Uh, maybe is the personal PC isn't quite as ubiquitous as it once was, maybe. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I just I find it interesting, and I, I'm I'm interested to see where it will go. Uh, the biggest thing that I see with a hardware based console that that is that um you know we've gotten so used to with PCs being being able to remotely control them and with consoles like the light shark we can do that we can grab a tablet go wireless control it from the stage wherever obviously audio consoles do that um any digital audio console people are are now controlling remotely and it it'll be interesting to see which of these have apps and have good ways of control and which ones don't uh, because some of these definitely don't. Like, I've seen the one that Altman is bringing in as their Genesis, and I don't think it has uh, the ability to control it from afar. And I think that's a huge step backwards. So watch out for that. If you're, if you're looking at one of these new consoles, uh, that is definitely something to watch out for. One thing uh, next on our a la carte here that I, that I do see an article here on is a new uh, PAR from ADJ. It is the ADJ Mod STQ. And uh, this is something that I, I really think is a cool light. Um, it's only, gosh, the, uh, so the, uh, the minimum advertised price, meaning what you can get it online for, is uh, is two nineteen, so you can get it for two nineteen online. Okay, that's a pretty good deal. And um, what I like about this light, it consists of just to give you an overview, is um, is it consists of let's see, it's got do 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 seven by eight watt LEDs, so it's not super bright per se. Probably, of course, wattage doesn't tell us the whole brightness picture, but it gives us a good idea. But it's a really small, uh, pretty compact par. It has DMX three and five pin. And the big selling point on this guy is that it has four different beam angles, four different lenses, basically, that allow you to change the the spread of it. And I think this is really powerful. Just if you're looking for a light, maybe for a church or a theater or even a band, that a production company especially, where you want to be able to set it up in different setups. You want to be able to use it in different um, aspects, be able to use it in different types of shows. I think a par like this is a really good option because you don't always need the same beam spread, right? If you're looking at at a par like this, and I this is something I think about from when I worked at a production company, you know, you would have uh, sometimes pars that zoomed and sometimes pars that did not, um, LED pars. And the ones that did not were definitely not as useful, right? Because if a, if an LED PAR doesn't zoom, then a lot of these LED PARs or wash lights on the market, they'll have around a 20 to 30 degree beam angle, okay? 
which gives you a really hot spot of brightness. It looks bright on your stage. Um, you get basically, you, you get a really good uplight out of it, you know, if you shine it against a wall or, or something like that. Um, and, um, and that's really cool. And then, um, you know, you, that's pretty much it though, right? Uh, if you want to shine it on a stage and it's at that like 20 degrees, then you've got to get it pretty high up in the air to get it to cover a decent amount of area width wise. Okay. Um, and a lot of these parts just aren't like optimized for that. And so what I like to see in this unit is that, okay, I can take this. It's got like five angles. It can go from 17 degrees to 60 degrees. So maybe I'm using it on an uplight. I want the most kind of pop out of it. Then you just pull that lens off and it's 17 degrees and you get a lot of pop out of it. Just a narrow, bright beam. But then it can go all the way up to 60 degrees. Now, a 60 degree beam angle, uh, even if you're just like 10, 15 feet up in the air, looks pretty darn good and can cover a pretty good area of, of stage. Um, and so I love that you're able to go ahead and it's not a different ordering from the factory. It's not a permanent thing. And I also like that you've kind of got four options. So it's not a variable zoom. Because uh, one of the things that I also hate about PARs that zoom is some of them zoom manually or motorized, but it's variable. And so it can be tough to get the exact angle you want or to get, especially on the ones that have a manual zoom. You can send that thing up in the air. The zoom could slide out of place. Uh, the people you're working with or who are helping you could set them up a little wonky and the zooms could be all over the place. They could all be set at different places and then you got to go up and fix them etc 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 sometimes the zoom it's just like narrow and wide uh, like an old uh, fresnel type light and um and you're not really able to to know exactly what angle you're at and if you know the angle you want to hit uh you know good luck with that without turning the light on and so anywho um all that to say that i think it's super cool that you're able to that there is a par out here that's really inexpensive. I mean, sure, it's not the brightest thing on planet Earth, right? Uh, but it's kind of a good multi-use par that's not expensive. You know, like I said, it's it's two twenty is the minimum advertised price. Meaning, if you go to a dealer and you buy multiple things, especially, you can definitely get a better deal. Um, I like to see a light that that's got the the ability to have different lenses on it. I think that's I think that's cool. Um, I think this is a series they had before, but this one uh, is just small. I think it's less expensive, um, and uh, than ones before. And, you know, just, just a good pick, just something that, that I would, if I was trying to get the most bang for my buck and I was doing different types of shows, like maybe one day I want to put these at 60 degrees and use them to light a backdrop, uh, you know, like a white backdrop, I could use a couple of these at 60 degrees and do that. Um, or if I needed it to pop on like some black drape, I could take them narrow or somewhere in the, in the middle. Um, so anyways, I think that's really cool. I think it's a cool uh, innovation just to see somebody making a, a multi-part light that, that works really well. So I guess I guess what we're talking about today is gear, and that's, that's totally cool. Um, another one here is, um, you may have heard me talk before, and this is more of a tool for like professionals, but about the uh, City Theatrical DMX Cat. I have one. It's basically a, a wireless controller that works over Bluetooth that allows you to basically um, tech lights in a sense. It allows you to get in there via something called RDM, which allows you to change the DMX address, to change settings on it, to check um, sensors on the light, to, you know, etc. Um, things like pretty much anything you can get to in the menu, you can usually get to via RDM. And um, it looks like they've made some really, really great updates to it, which is awesome. Super awesome. 
Um, and by the way, it's a standalone device, but also in a lot of their wireless DMX products, they, they actually include it like in the wireless DMX transmitter or uh, receiver. So anyways, on that topic, they've um, they've upgraded the app, which is cool. I wasn't expecting that um, just because, you know, I bought it. It's a great device. When I do shows, um, I use it all the time, especially when I have uh, more professional grade lights that are that have that RDM technology. Uh, the less more and more lower level lights have that nowadays than they used to. Um, but it learned some new tricks. And so they've got the ability to do multiple, do things with multiple lights at the same time. Yes. Which is a, a huge, um, definitely a huge thing that I was looking for. And, uh, they've also made some other tweaks in there, which is really great. So, um, check that out. If you're interested, if you have that unit or, or you've ever thought about one, it, it now is more powerful software for you. So anyways, y'all, um, that's about all I got for today. Um, you know, it's like, when we look out here, we've got live events. Uh, certainly, there's some things to be seen. Um, I was just thinking, too, duh. Um, Keith Urban did a concert, actually, a few hours outside of Nashville at a drive-in theater recently. And uh, just the other day, too, I think Alan Jackson did one. Um, and there's some uh, Christian tours that I saw, uh, Toby Mack and I think the Newsboys, that are uh, going to be doing the same thing. And so, you know, sure, while the live events industry is still in a hurting place for sure with COVID, um, and it's a very tough thing. We're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, certainly with churches getting to meet again, with uh, with live events happening again and all that, we're, we're starting to see some light, which is great. Um, I just, as well, encourage you guys, um, if you're involved with a church or a venue or a band or anything else, and, you know, we're starting to get to this point where maybe we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, think about any projects you've wanted to do whether that's uh, lighting or audio or whatever, and you're, you're thinking about gear you want to acquire or stuff you want to rework or, or rethink uh, as part of your show, I'd say do that now. Uh, don't just sit on the couch and get fat, as some people have said, but but come out of this come out of this better and uh, come out of this having learned. Uh, of course, we're here for you on Learn Stage Lighting with lots of free resources as well as all of the um, premium resources inside of the labs that we're constantly adding to as well. So with that, I hope... You have a great week. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys back here in a couple weeks. We'll have some really exciting topics. Actually, there's some cool stuff that um, I can't wait to talk about, a, a new thing that's coming out that I've had to demo here that um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in a few weeks. So, anywho, I'll leave you on the cliffhanger for that one. Until next week, uh, in two weeks, we'll see you here on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks.